Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Who can I blame? In the face of suffering and hardship and hurt, it's a natural question to ask, a knee-jerk reaction. Who can I blame? In effect, it's the question that the disciples and the Pharisees are asking in the story that we heard in today's gospel. The disciples see this man blind from birth and they ask Jesus, who sinned? Was it him or was it his parents? Whose fault is it? The Pharisees are going around asking, wait a second, now this guy has been healed, who's to blame? Who can we point the finger at? There's different answers that can be given. We, We can point it at the individual himself. What he has sown, that which he will also reap. It's his fault. Or maybe it's his parents' fault. It's his upbringing. They're the ones who have corrupted him. They're the ones who are at fault here. They're the ones to blame. It's the world at large. We look outside, there's so many forces arrayed against God's purposes. It's the world's fault. Or maybe, maybe it's God's fault. After all, at the end of the day, the bill has to come to his feet. Who's to blame? The question is asked in today's gospel. And it's a question that I think any of us can ask in the face of suffering and hardship, and hurt. Who should I blame? Should I blame my parents? The way that they failed to raise me? Should I blame God? Should I blame myself? When there's that pain, that chronic pain that you know about and others don't know about, and you wonder, Lord, why haven't you taken this away? And doctors are of no help. When you're struggling with strained relationships with kids, Lord, why can't you fix this? Why why hasn't it been healed? When we're still grieving over a broken relationship with others, a broken marriage, and the hurt just won't go away, and you feel like you're still bearing that guilt. When there's dumb decisions that you made maybe years ago, and you feel like you're still living with them today. Lord, where are you in all of this? Who can I blame? Myself, my parents, the world. Or you? Who can I blame? In the face of suffering and hardship, it's a natural question, an understandable one. But according to Jesus, it's the wrong question to ask. And why is that? Well, as we hear our Lord in today's story, I would put it this way. It's the wrong question to ask because blame begets blindness. Blame begets a kind of spiritual blindness that suddenly isn't able to see. Isn't able to see the neighbor in need, the one who's actually suffering or struggling. The the Pharisees are blinded to the fact that here's a guy right in front of us who's hurting, who is blinded. And all they can ask, all they want to do is adjudicate questions of the law. They don't care about him what he's been through, his parents, they're blinded to the neighbor. They don't see him. So there's a kind of blindness that's even worse than physical blindness, which is to be blind and to not realize it. So it is for the Pharisees, and so it can be for any of us when we see people merely as problems rather than as those who are hurting and in need of help. There's a spiritual blindness also. It can can lead to a, a blindness of ourselves, where we have a a kind of certainty that I'm the one who's in the right. As long as I can point fingers at others and recognize that they're the ones to blame, then I'm the one who's in the driver's seat or in the judgment seat, perhaps better put. 
It says, we saw again in the the gospel story, there's that prideful certainty and self-righteousness. As long as I can see that it's somebody else's fault, I don't see myself. And yet Jesus says, because you claim that you see, your guilt remains. I came for judgment that those who claim that they can see would become blind. So that kind of spiritual blindness leads to self-satisfaction, self-righteousness, a false certainty. You don't see yourself. But perhaps even worse than all of that, not only do you not see the neighbor, you don't see yourself, but you don't see God. And this can happen too in the face of suffering and hardship when you want to point fingers and you end up pointing back at yourself, yourself to blame. You're not able to see God in the midst of it and so it leads to despair, wondering, what have I done? God, how have, I, how have I failed? What, what am I experiencing? This, was there some secret sin, something that I did? Or maybe it's not even secret. I know it all too well, and that's why I'm struggling today. That's why I'm suffering today. It's because of that thing I did, and why can't it get better? There's all of these different ways in which when we're looking at who to blame in the face of suffering, all it ends up creating is blindness. You know, the late, great Rich Mullins, who I've been spending a lot of time with lately, he has a line in one of his songs called The Brother's Keeper, and the line says this. He says, there's no point in pointing fingers unless you're pointing to the truth. There's no point in pointing fingers unless you're pointing to the truth. So in the face of of suffering and hardship, in the face of hurt, who to blame is not the question that we ask. But what is? Well, according to Jesus, the question is, what's God up to? Where is he at work in all of this? Jesus says to the disciples, it's not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the work of God might be displayed in him. That's the question that we ought to be asking. What's God up to in this? Where is he at work? Because Jesus is like Superman in this sense. Not that he has a cape, no capes. But instead, it's the fact that, well, think about with Superman. Where can you find Superman? Where is he going to show up? Wherever there's a damsel in distress, right? Wherever there is somebody who is hurting, Wherever there is brokenness, there Superman is going to swoop in in order to save the day. Well, he's just a superhero. There is a greater Superman, our Savior, our Lord Jesus. And when we read the Gospels, when we hear these stories, we see again and again and again, where there is darkness, he has come to bring light. Where there is blindness, he has come to open blind eyes. Where there is death, he comes to open ears. Where someone is in pain and hurting, he is there to help. He is there to save That's who our Savior is. He is that greater Superman. If you want to see where the Savior is going to show up, look for human need. Look for pain. Look for sorrow and broken hearts. That's where our Lord lives. And if we didn't believe it all throughout his ministry, we believe it and we see it when he goes to the cross. And why does he go to the cross? Because he goes to the place of the ultimate sorrow and suffering, of ultimate brokenness, in order to bind it up back in himself. Because of Christ, our crucified one, now we have kind of cross-shaped lenses, a spiritual sight that's able to see in the darkness, that in that darkness, in that suffering and in that sorrow, there God is present and active 
That's where he shows up. And that's our assurance, see. Your assurance and mine. In the face of that suffering and hardship, in the face of that heartbreak, we don't always get the answer of why, Lord, but we do know that he is present and that he is working for you and for me. Scripture says in the Psalms, God is near to the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. When life is hardest, God is closest. When life is hardest, God is closest. And so we ask, what are you up to, Lord? Where are you at work here? And then he would have us ask another question as well. He would have us ask another question as well. And we see it reflected in the story today. Because that man who had been blind from birth, he's healed. And he's healed, John tells us, at the the pool of Siloam, which means sent. See, this man who had been suffering and who will continue to suffer, we soon see, because he's, he's cast out of the synagogue. His sufferings have not ended. They're just of a different sort. And yet that does not somehow exempt him from the fact that now he is sent out into the world to proclaim, to bear witness, to testify that though once I was blind, now I can see. And so the question that the Lord would have you and me ask after we ask, what is God up to? Where is he at work in this? Is then also to ask not who can I blame, but how can I help? How can I help? And there's two sides to this, I think. On the one hand, it's to ask, how can I help other people who are suffering? How can I help other people who are struggling? To look at them and and say, where can I be a part of this? God's kingdom comes even without our prayers, we heard, right? But we pray that we would be in on it also that we would have a role in it, that we would be helping out too. And it might sound like a simple thing, like an obvious thing, but guys, in my experience, Christians all too often are more interested in litigating sin than in leading to the Savior. Our job is to help people grow closer to Christ. Not to ask why they're dealing with what they're dealing with, what they did that got them to this place, but to take them wherever they are and say, how can I help lead you a little bit closer to your Lord who loves you no matter what? How can I help? So that's the one side of it, is how can we help others who are suffering and struggling and in need? But also this, when you are the one who's suffering, when you are the one enduring the hardship, Still, the Lord puts the question to you. How can you help? You think, wait a second, that's not fair. Don't I get some kind of like service exemption if I'm going through a tough time? Aren't I able to enter into the protection from witness program? (laughs) Now, I'm going to do something that's a little bit dangerous. Just because as preachers, we could be quoting from The Chosen every single week. The TV show, The Chosen about Jesus and the disciples. I'm trying not to do that. But there's one particularly moving moment that is apropos, germane to this conversation. And it's from this latest season, season three, with uh, one of the apostles known as Little James. And he's actually one of the the apostles, James, the son of Alphaeus. We don't know a lot about him. So I hasten to say that the the moment I'm going to recount in the show is just that. It's dramatized. It's not something that's in the Bible, but it does reflect the teaching of the Bible. 
So what happens, what is in the scriptures, is Jesus sends out his apostles who have hardly had any training. They seem ill-equipped for the, the calling, the mission that he has put them on, and yet Jesus has sent them out to proclaim and to heal, including little James, who, as we've met him throughout the series, we see he himself is hobbled, is lame. He's dealing with something that, for whatever reason, Jesus hasn't healed, hasn't taken away that suffering. And so little James pulls the Lord Jesus aside in a vulnerable moment and says, Lord, you're sending us out to preach and to heal, and yet you haven't healed me. And Jesus says to him, do you, do you want to be healed? He says, yes, Lord, you know I want to be healed. Says, I know you do too. And that would be a great story. But listen, he says, to know how to proclaim that you still praise God despite your suffering. To know how to focus on all that really matters so much more than the body. To show people that you can be patient with your suffering here on earth because you know that you'll spend eternity with no suffering. Not everyone can understand that. And what he's saying to little James in that moment is not that I'm sending you out in spite of your suffering, but precisely this, because of your suffering, I'm sending you out to help and to heal because then the message is so much more powerful. And so it is for you and me. In the midst of our own hardships and trials, in the midst of our own suffering, we ask God, what are you up to? Where are you at work here and, and how can I help? Because the very things, those very hurts that you carry, the wounds that you bear, are where the light shines through for the sake of others. We walk by faith and not by sight. Not because we are blind to the reality of suffering, but because we have seen suffering redeemed in the crucified one. We walk by faith and not by sight, not because there are no fingers left to point, or no one to blame, but because there is one who has borne our blame in our place. So there's no point in pointing fingers unless we're pointing to him. We walk by faith and not by sight. And so amid all of the sorrow and the sadness and the suffering of this mortal life, still, there is an unbreakable unshakable. Hallelujah. Amen. And may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.